With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's time for Cover 2 Broncos. Just a couple dudes breaking down scheme, film, and the numbers. Now, your hosts, Joe Rowles and Jeff Essery. Welcome back to another episode of Cover 2 Broncos. I'm Joe Rowles. And I'm Jeff Essery. Thanks for listening. And just a quick reminder that if you have any questions about the Broncos or something comes up on the show that you have a question about, um, just hit us up on Twitter at Cover 2 Broncos, at Jeffrey Essery or at Joe Rowe underscore NFL. With that, let's jump right into today's topic. We are super excited about what we got going on today. Yeah, today we have a very special guest. It's, uh, it's no secret that football has kind of seen some drastic changes over the last decade or so. Uh, I, I think most fans can tell you kind of a little bit about how offenses have started to incorporate the spread, run pass options, zone reads, stuff like that. But I think I speak for many fans when I say it's not always easy to decipher what defenses have really done to keep up with it. And today we are blessed to have Coach Cody Alexander, who has written books about modern defense, as well as running a website called Match Quarters. Coach A has agreed to shine some insight on how Fangio and the Broncos' coverages and schemes are influenced by the modern game. And he's happy to talk Broncos as a Broncos fan. So I am really, really excited to have him. Welcome, Coach. Yeah, glad to be here. Glad Anytime I can talk Broncos, I'm down for sure. But before we dive into the topic at hand, give us, give us a quick rundown of um, your background, where you're from, and um, what you're doing right now. So I actually was born in enemy territory. So I'm from Kansas City, Missouri. Oh, no. Okay. My dad, yeah. My dad is a uh, diehard Bronco fan. He was born and Den- raised in Denver, moved to Kansas City. Uh, and then that's where I live. So that's, that's kind of the, where I get to be a Broncos fan. So I was always that kid in the bright orange starter jacket in the sea of red. Um, and we were always the, the, you know, I was the one kid that liked the Broncos in Kansas city and all that stuff. So it was growing up, it was pretty fun. Um, I'm a son of a coach. So my dad's a football coach in Kansas city still to this day at Liberty, Missouri. Um, and then I coach football here in Texas, my background a little bit, uh, I've coached at the high, the highest levels uh, at 5A, 6A here in Texas. And then uh, I was also a graduate assistant at Baylor uh, under Art Riles. So I was there during the uh, 11 through 13. So I was there for RG3's Heisman all, and the big uh, first Big 12 championship. So that's a little bit about my coaching background. And then I, I write books on defense because I'm a nerd. And I guess that's that's what nerds do. <laughs> hey, as nerds, we, we welcome you. So. Yeah, we've really enjoyed uh, digging into your stuff. I think I've stumbled across your stuff either on Twitter or the, or the website a, a couple of years ago and um, always been a great follow. And so we'll post the links to all the, the books that you can find on Amazon that um, Coach has written on, on defense that Joe mentioned and also the, the website matchquarters.com. And you can also find him on Twitter. What's your Twitter, Twitter handle, Coach? At the underscore coach underscore A. 
Perfect. So make sure you guys go check him out and give him a follow. Um, always great stuff. And uh, like I said, we've come across your stuff a while back and have had you on the site a couple times before just on some some interviews. And um, so thankful again to be able to chat with you and, and dive in kind of in more of a long form format with the podcast that we can really dig into this stuff and kind of nerd out together. I know the last time I talked with you, uh, I had just kind of read through the guidebook, the modern guidebook to split field coverages. And it kind of blew my mind. Some of the similarities that I saw between what you would wrote and some of the stuff that Fangio and the Broncos were doing. Do you feel like you, when you kind of gone back over and looked at some of the Broncos tape, you're seeing that stuff too. Like I'm not just seeing ghosts, right? Like, no. I, yeah. Le- I, go ahead. No, I just, uh, I always get kind of, I always get nervous when I'm watching coverages just because I feel like I have a decent idea what's happening, but I don't always know the responsibilities. Well, the coverage part, the coverage aspect is is really difficult because there's so many different variations as you go up the levels. I think at the high school level, you pretty much can tell what you're going to get within a couple within a couple series. Really, within the first series, you, you know, you kind of run through that that first 15 plays of of most standard OCs go through, and you kind of get your three by okay, this is how they're lining the three by one, this is how they're doing two by two, and then you kind of have an understanding. I think the higher that you go it's harder to tell because guys kind of because of the speed of the game, guys can line up in different places and then post snap go to different places. So it's really hard to distinguish um, kind of what the coverage is. Like it looks, it looks like, uh, okay, we've got quarters coverage. We've got two safeties on the hash and then the, the play snaps. And then one of the safeties sinks into the middle of the field. And then the other one sinks down into the box. And you're like, okay, well that's obviously not quarters covered. So I think, where people line up and the line, that's pretty, that's pretty standard. You can kind of, you can easily learn the, you know, is it an over front? Is it an under front? Is it, you know, is it an odd front where they're, where they've got three down linemen? You know, is it a bare front where everybody's kind of walked up and they've got five guys on the line, you know, that, that, and then the linebacker placements off of that is usually pretty simple. So the covered stuff is usually, and two, it's, it's such a, it's all the different colors of the rainbow because the way that I teach quarters may not be the way, the the guy next to me teaches quarters so it's just kind of coverage is one of those things that it can be a mixed bag when you try and really focus on how to how to decipher the different ways of doing it yeah and i know there's variations that i've dug into some of the clinics that coach nick saban has and the way that he calls things and i know there's other guys that call things different different names they have different tags off of it but it feels like i mean it Give us your description, I guess, then, of how you would describe Coach Fangio's defense and his scheme based on what you've seen from ours. From ours, it looks like they're, you know, mixing in. Um, it's it's mainly zone based, and they're mixing in split field coverages. But get, give us your thoughts on what you see when you look at the Broncos' defense, particularly under Fangio, or what he's done maybe in the years past too. Yeah, I think with him, you know, if you look at what he did with the Bears and then with the Broncos, he's really kind of been blessed with having pass rushers. And so when you have that, you don't have to be so exotic in the secondary. You're really more of a a broad stroke. I'm trying to blanket the secondary. I'm trying to just keep things in front of me. I don't have to be aggressive uh, in the secondary spot uh, because I've got guys that are going to press the point if, if they're going to pass. I think with him, you go and you start looking at what they're doing. A lot of what he's trying to do is post-snap, which is kind of aligned with kind of my philosophy of let's make everything look the same pre-snap, and then we're going to move post-snap and make that quarterback work while he also has to be aware of like, okay, well, where's Vaughn Miller? Because Vaughn Miller's going to be 
be there if I if I hold on to the ball. So kind of putting that pressure on the quarterback with the front scheme and then using the secondary and kind of manipulating are we in cover three here or are we which is like, are we putting somebody in the middle of the field or are we going to play we're going to play split coverage you know I think to me that is that is where he is a little bit I, I would just say it's not as in intricate as some other defenses in the secondary where a lot of guys are secondary based and they just kind of work to the front he's more of hey we've got a pass rush in the front you know we don't necessarily have to be aggressive in the back end. So that that's a great um, point, particularly as it relates to last year, because Denver did have so many injuries on the defensive side and they, you know, they lose Bradley Chubb on the other side. And this year they bring in Jarrell Casey to try to get some pass rush up the middle. And so last year it felt like we were seeing not a completed product with Fangio's defense or not the way that he necessarily wanted to run it. And it was a mix of that. And then the other thing that we saw, too, I think, was a lot of miscommunications and things like that on the, the secondary side. And we've heard from some of the Denver Broncos players saying that you know Fangio's defense was a little bit hard to learn or it, it just takes some time to kind of get that under their belt. Do you think it's because of all the post-snap stuff, the, the quick post-snap work that they're doing that makes it so hard to learn? I think what you saw and what you've seen the past couple of years is really at the beginning, it's kind of learning, okay, who do I have? And then when you eventually realize, well, okay, I've got two studs that can rush the passer. Uh, now I don't have to necessarily be as aggressive. The other thing that they have is they have two really good safeties. Mm-hmm. And so you want to, you want them involved in the defense as much as possible. And so that kind of turns into, because uh, one of the questions you posed was, you know, you somebody had said that this is one of the most complex defenses, mm-hmm. secondary wise, that they had that they had had to learn. And I would on on the surface, it doesn't look complex. So what that tells me is that there must be a ton of different checks to the different formations that are that they're seeing. And so having to be able to go through, okay, is it three by one? Do we have a certain check this week? Because in three by one, the team is doing this, you know. Like against the Chiefs, like where's where's Kelsey? Do we are we du- trying to double Kelsey? Are we going and then but then you got to worry about uh, Tariq Hill. So are we trying to kill the over routes by Tariq Hill? Or are we trying to double Kelsey? You know, so to me, I'm wondering if if on the surface when you watch them, they don't look super complex. So to me, what that tells me is there's a lot there's a check based system in the back end on formation and then maybe down in distance or where certain people are aligned. But that's a big difference between the NFL and the colleges. Most of the times, college guys are going to line up where they line up. In the NFL, those guys are going to be all over the place all the time because they're trying to manipulate the matchup. So to me, that tells me that there's a check system within it that, okay, are we checking cover three here or who's going, who's sinking down now? Are we, if we're in split field coverage, who's, who's playing quarters, who's playing cover two or what, what people refer to palms. So I, I think to me, that's, that's where the complexity comes. That kind of brings me back to something Chris Harris said too before he ended up signing with the Chargers about how the Broncos seem to make a concentrated effort to try and get him on the opposing number one. That was probably part of the check system was to try and move him onto the matchups, you think? Yeah, I think too if you – you know, there's so many different types of nickel situations or, mm-hmm. or you know, are you bringing a third safety in uh, like they did versus Minnesota? Are you bringing a third corner in? Uh, like you probably would, would do against uh, like Kansas City, you know. So then now when now who's in the slot, and then now are we going to match up the corners? Or, okay, you've got Tyreek Hill, or you've got 
Mm-hmm. Um, you've got the number one receiver. You've got the, the, you know, and then am I following them around or are we doing a field boundary system? I think when you start changing week to week that because you have to in the NFL, that's when it gets complicated because it's not like, okay, I'm the field corner. I, I know where I'm aligning every time. The only thing I have to do is go to the field. Well, in the NFL, the game's played in the middle of the field the entire time. So you don't really get a field boundary look. And now it becomes more of a matchup. And that thing with the NFL, it's such a matchup league. And so now if I'm, you know, now if I, let's say, for instance, I'm guarding the slot. Well, what if I'm in a particular blitz? I'm now I have to be the guy that's that's on that blitz or I have to change the leverage of my coverage because somebody's blitzing. So I have to now know an extra layer on top of that that I normally wouldn't have to if I just say, okay, I just have this guy or we're just playing cover one. Do you think that so I know in the off season it sounded like that was kind of what the players were talking about as well in terms of particularly shifting away from like the Vance Joseph style. And even before that, the Wade Phillips defense, where I know Chris Harris joked a lot of like, we would just go out there and run man. We'd just go line up and play. And now you're adding in all this different stuff. And so do you feel like in a, in a, a year or two of Fangio's scheme where particularly a lot of these young guys have some more reps under their belt, you, you expect to see a bigger jump uh, with an off season yeah. in the program? Definitely. Uh, it's usually, you know, I tell, you know, I, I'll use myself as an example. I came to Midlothian High School uh, and I was handed two freshmen and a sophomore and then kind of a, and a junior. So like we were all young and they were, they had to learn. And, and at the first year we were there, you know, it was funny. At, we were talking uh, after this last season of how little we did that first year because there were the, in, in quarters coverage and split field coverage. And, and we try and be, we try and be different. Um, I'm not afraid to teach. And so we'll do multiple things, but they have to, you have to kind of learn all the different matchups and the nuances. And that second year you saw a jump. And then last year, I think we doubled our interception. We, we held teams to 90 yards a game. I mean, we were, we were pretty much, we were the best, we were the best secondary. And now I have talented kids. Don't get me wrong, but a lot of it had to do with being the third year in the, in the program. And they could basically run the system on their own. And so for me, you know, I look at something like that in the NFL, I think a lot of things have to do with continuity. You know, we talk, I think it's interesting. The only position we really talk about continuity is quarterback position, but I think in the secondary uh, is an underrated, uh, underratedly hard position to play uh, in the back end because of all the different ways that you're fitting things and in, in the, the kind of that jigsaw that you have to put together and then learning that. So it being in a system and being in a consistent system, you know, the lazy way to do things is just play man in a matchup. That's easy. You know, if you're going to play some zone and things like that, then now that becomes a thinking man's game and you got You got to kind of figure it out. So you've mentioned the, the tendency to, or the, what Fangio had in Chicago with the pass rush and looking at, looking ahead a little bit of what they have now in Denver, it seems like they're going to have a pretty good pass rush. there, lining up with Bradley Chubb and Vaughn Miller on either side. You got Jarrell Casey in the middle. And so it seems like the, there's some high hopes for what the front seven will bring. And then you mentioned the, the two talented safeties that they have in Kareem Jackson and Justin Simmons. So how would you, knowing what you like, have seen how Fangio bases out of the looks that he's in in the past, what would you expect seeing 
for Denver moving forward? And how would you utilize that group of talent that you that you know Denver has currently, particularly with those two safeties on the back end and that pass rush? Well, I mean, I think you go and you look at the the next talented safety core in in the NFL is the the Vikings, and I think you look at what the Vikings do in the secondary, and then what the Broncos do in the secondary is very similar. Um, they're not they're not doing a ton of stuff in the back end because they're not trying to hide deficiencies. They're not trying to hide matchups. They have good matchups in the interior with the safeties. They know that they can kind of clean up some things in the front and. You know, to me, I think maybe you get you can see a little bit more up front with the pressures, maybe being a little bit more exotic. But even then, when you have two dominant pass rushers like the Broncos have and you have two great edges like that, you don't have to get real fancy with what you're doing or real exotic. You don't have to uh, what I would call scheme up a pressure or scheme up a sack. Uh, You kind of just have to let them play. And so for me, I think going forward, you're just going to see everything a little bit tighter as they can bring those those corners, you know, those corners along the way to kind of let's see if we can match that production that we're getting at the safety duo, you know, and then let the let the two dogs go, man. I mean, it, it, let let Vaughn Miller and Chubb Chubb go, and you know, that that in itself cleans up a lot for the linebackers, which allows them to be a little bit more active in coverage and things like that. So I think it just opens the door, you know. It's kind of the chicken or the egg argument: is it is it coverage or is it pass rush? And I think if you can find a good mix of both then then you've got something going. Yeah, and one, one of the big concerns I've had coming out of this offseason is just that it. I was really worried about Denver's secondary after the safeties with the corners, but I feel like with everything else around yes. the safeties and then with the pass rush and then adding Casey, they might – if Fangio's scheme can kind of help hide kind of the – maybe the just the greenness or the callowness of the, the corners, they might be okay. Uh, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, obviously you want to have one really good corner. I think if you can have one really good corner, it cleans up a lot of things, especially the three-by-one problem, though I I think a lot of that's negated now with the way that people use tight ends. I mean, you can't – you know, you don't want to – so it's kind of that conundrum of do I want to waste my best athlete on defense on a tight end or can I – and I find a safety that can guard him. And then, but then again, there's that complexity of, okay, if the safety is going to take that, what is the X receiver in a three by one, because it's now a tight end. Like now that corner is either playing safety or we're forced to play single high because I only have one safety that can play in the middle of the field. So mm-hmm. I think, I think it, it, there's a lot of complexities in the NFL game, a lot of matchup stuff that people don't realize on a daily basis or like on a uh, weekly basis that they have to deal with and, and how, Maybe one, you know, you rob Peter to pay Paul by moving a guy over there. And so there's just what do you do? And I, I know that that sounds real vague, no. but but I, when you don't have dominant secondary play and you can't play cover one all the time, then it really makes things difficult. I mean, there's a reason why New England was so dominant on defense. It's because their secondary was the best in the, in the league and they could play cover one. I mean, I think, don't get me wrong. You guys know me. I'm a quarters guy. Um, but at the end of the day, if I can play cover one, well, that cleans up everything for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, now we can let let you know let everybody lose. People can play aggressive, and, and so I think that's kind of the thing is is in the NFL for so long has been able to play cover one and beat up the receivers and match up. And now what you're seeing is just a collection of talent at receiver, and then the quarterbacks are so much better because they're playing in the same schemes that they've been playing in since they were in seventh grade. Mm-hmm. So for me, I think it's it's just a culmination of things of 
you know, even like I think Zimmer said it last year about how he's had to change his approach on defense and be more zone zone heavy uh, and kind of more uh, manipulate it in the back end and not necessarily just say, okay, here we go. We're going to play cover three or, hey, we're going to play cover one. Because that's one of the other things with, with Carroll and the Seahawks has been the, na- the knock on him has been he's just his refusal to change from playing cover three to everything. Mm-hmm. And so I think what you're seeing is just that hybridization of, of the coverages and and to me, you've got to have the right pieces. And if you have young and inexperienced corners, then it kind of limits what you can do because you can't lock down at least one guy. Yeah. That brings up a really interesting point. Um, I'm glad you brought up the three-by-ones because that's something we wanted to talk about. And so we can go ahead and jump into that. But to me, looking at, would love to get your thoughts on what at least we saw was kind of the three overarching issues for the Broncos in the secondary last year. And one of them was really those three by one sets, particularly when you're going against guys like Kansas city and Oakland even did it too. In that first game, right out of the gate yeah. in week one, lining up Waller out on the outside, like you said, as an X receiver. And then Travis Kelsey did the same thing in the snow game. I forget which week that was, but they picked on Isaac Yadam like crazy, who was the number two corner at the time. You know, and he went back and forth from being benched to coming in and all of that. But how do you avoid that or what do you do as a, as a defense when the team, it feels like wants to pick on a particular guy and that happens to be a corner. How do you hide them on the backside of a three by one like that when they're throwing either their best receiver at you or they're throwing a tight end at you and it's a big mismatch. I I would love to give you an answer, but you, you, there is none. I mean, and and I'll be honest with you on the backside of three by one, you can't have, you can't have a weak corner. I mean, you just can't, I think, you know, and I think in the college game, that's where that boundary com- that boundary corner comes into play. If you're having to put a guy in the back and into the single receiver side, because especially with like what a lot of the Broncos are doing, they're playing either a poach, meaning that they're taking that backside safety and moving them to the trip side, mm-hmm. or they're or they're playing a lot of what I call three cross, meaning that that weak side that weak side safety is sinking into that cross area to pick up all those over routes that you're seeing that it kind of that infiltration of the air raid into the NFL. You know, you watch the the Chiefs, that was a big part of their game plan was taking that backside safety and either using them to guard a vertical or using them to, to get a hill as he came across the, the formation. And so what that does is you because you took that safety away, now that corner is on an island. So it does become that matchup where in Oakland they didn't win it against Waller. In Kansas City, it's Kelsey. Um, and can can you match up with Kelsey? And so that has become the NFL game now is can you match up with my hybrid my hybrid tight end on that single side? And how are you going to play that safety? Because if you're going to double them, then that means I'm going to use my speedy slot to get open and I'm going to basically turn it into a track meet. And so it's that constant yin and yang and that constant yo-yo of that pulling of where are you going to be in coverage? And I think if you don't have a boundary corner or what I would call a boundary corner, someone that can handle that X receiver, that single receiver man to man, then you're just, you're going to run into a lot of issues. That's my big concern too, is because Kansas city already had the speed on both sides of the field, like between Kelsey and then you have Hill on the other side. Now they have Hardman, but then now, now John Gruden and uh, Mayock went out and they, they already have Waller and now they added Ruggs. So like they can essentially do a poor man's version of what Kansas city was doing. And if, if Ruggs kind of comes along, like that's four games this year where Denver's going to have a huge issue. If one of the corners doesn't step up. Yeah. I think it's funny that the, the AFC West has almost become 
of like the big 12 of the NFL in terms mm-hmm. of just offense. I mean, I know you've got the, the NFC West with Seattle and, and San Francisco and LA, but that's those, you know, outside of, outside of really L, um, LA, I mean, they're, and even with, with the Cardinals, I mean, outside of the Cardinals, they're not running like a true like air raid system, you know, San Francisco's running the eye and, and, you know, Seattle's still going to run the ball and, and LA is really more pro style offense. So, you know, the, what you look at like in the West, it's like, geez, I mean, you're, you've got three receivers out there that tied in basically counts as four. It's wide open attack. If you're, if you're light in the box, they're going to run. If you're heavy, you know, if you're heavy in the box, they're going to throw vertical. It's like, and so I think for you, you almost are going to have to, you're going to see a lot of things change in, in the AFC West. And I think it's going to be interesting to see going forward, how the defenses are going to start manipulating as they catch up to these offense. Cause you're right. I mean, with Oakland adding weapons, the Kansas city, still Kansas city, you know, what does that mean for the Broncos in terms of defense? How can they catch up? Because that's where they're going to have to catch up. And one of the things I know that you've written about some too, is the kind of promulgation of the tight front in at the college level to, to kind of counter some of these spread things and potentially seeing that leak into the NFL. I know looking at Fangio's tape last year, he started to play around with some of that a little bit. And I, I don't remember him doing much of that in Chicago. And so it felt like it was semi-unique to, to Denver last year. Do you think that's something that we could see more of um, if things do start to open up a little bit more in the AFC West, like you're talking about? Yeah, I think you'll see more, you know, quote unquote, college schemes start infiltrating up. I do think, though, that you're in the NFL and it's very much going to be uh, personnel based. So a lot of that tie front, that bear look stuff came against heavier personnel. And so they're just, you know, they're using those edge players because technically they're outside linebackers. If you look at them and how they're and how they're uh, on the roster. But I think what you're seeing now is what you're seeing in the NFL. And what I see more of is really that kind of that two, four, six package of we're only going to have two interior linemen. We're going to have our outside linebackers, our edge players are now going to be stand up DNs. We're going to have our two linebackers and we're going to play either a third corner or a third safety, depending on uh, the offense that we're going to see. And so now that to me becomes uh, that to me is now going to become, I think, the, the base defense in in kind of the nfl especially in that is you're still going to have your four-man rush because i feel like you have to have a four-man rush uh in the in the nfl's primarily against these pass heavy these pass heavy attacks but then you you don't sacrifice coverage because now you can put a third corner in there or a third safety depending on what you need kind of tying to that i know one thing that you've written about a lot is kind of the conflict player and how uh, just different responsibilities based on like whatever the coverage call is and how an offense will try and put a linebacker into a bind, kind of like where he can't win, either a run or a pass. And that I thought that was one of the issues that showed up for the Broncos against Kansas City. One of the one of the off kind of levy criticisms at the Broncos personnel right now is that they just don't have enough speed at the linebacker level. And I know you've written a lot about hybrid defenders, and I know Fangio even touched on the fact that Denver was looking to possibly add a, a player who could essentially play like a safety backer. And I know they tried to chase Patrick queen this off season. They just didn't get up for him. Do you think that is a kind of a, like a weakness of the Broncos defense right now with like Todd Davis and Alexander Johnson? Uh, or do you think that that's something that the scheme itself can kind of hide? 
Yeah, I think that if you're going to play a four down, like a lot of times that they showed, especially against these more wide open attacks, is that those those linebackers have to be able to cover primarily that will linebacker, that that linebacker that's away from the strength. He's got to be able to climb vertically. He's got to be able to run a little bit in two by two formations. He's got to be able to cover down a little bit and at least attack the seam, um, carry an underneath route, be, you know, be cognizant of where the over route is coming from. Uh, so, yeah, that. You know, they call it a money backer uh, a lot of the times. Uh, and to me, I think that is going to be the biggest change within the NFL is how we view that money backer. You know, it used to be it was just, you know, you an edge player was just a third down specialist. And then, you know, now you need edge players on every every down. They need to be able to play everything. You, know, you need to have hybrids that can play the run and the pass. And then now now with the linebackers, we're seeing that trickle up to them. You can't have a mic that just plugs the egg out. You can't have a wheel linebacker that, you know, just takes the running back. I think I think now with the Chiefs, with, with uh, the LSU running back, I mean, now you're going to have a threat out of the backfield. So how does your linebacker match up with that? And so I think to me that, that becomes more of an asset. And that's what I wrote in, in my book hybrids about the future of football is just mm-hmm. that kind of positionless defense that you, you know, we, you people kind of give lip service to, but I really do feel like in order to play in today's game, you have to be able to play in multiple spots and that it's just going to be so hard on a 53 man roster to carry all the different packages that you're going to need. You know, you play the 49ers one week and you're going to need your base three, four package. And then the next week you could play the Chiefs. And now it's like, okay, well, now we need a third corner. We need a will linebacker that's basically a strong safety, you know, so week to week in the NFL, that's, you know, you don't have 85 kids on scholarship. So you can't dig deep and find a guy and put a guy in situations like that. And so I think in the NFL, it's such a premium for hybrid players now. So talk a little, you talk a little bit about those linebackers and some of their responsibilities. And I think some of it showed up a little bit too in one of the other issues that we saw on tape that I'd love to get your thoughts on. You've mentioned it a little bit already is, um, and, and you and I have chatted with this via DMs as well, I think on, on Twitter a while back of Denver getting killed by deep over routes and crossers. It's kind of that, I guess, the yang to the to the yin that we talked about on the three-by-one sets. And and sometimes it was on three-by-ones, like on the backside, he would he would drag around. And then sometimes it was just two-by-two sets. And um, But it felt like, particularly in the back half of the season, like teams just started exploiting that like crazy. And um, we'd see them clear out. It was essentially the two vertical routes on one side, and then you have the deep over coming underneath it. And so everybody's cleared out the safety and the corner on one side, and now you've got a, a deep over route coming over. Um, we, I know we've talked a, a little bit about it with, with Denver, but how just in general do you think about that um, from a coverage standpoint, and how do you kind of shore up those holes? Because it felt like Denver was – was getting exploited by it almost nearly every week over the back part of the season. Yeah. And those, that really comes down to linebacker play. I mean, at the end of the day, do you have, you know, how are you going to hammer down on those over routes? Are you going to play, are you going to run a track meet and you're going to have your safety chase? Well, then they're going to make you chase all game and they're going to tire that guy out. And then that's when they're going to really attack you. Um, And that's where those linebackers have to understand, where where my fits are, where I'm dropping to, what what leverage we where am I at? Is the is he running an underneath route? Is he running an over route? Where am I at? And so there's a lot of there's a lot of things pulling those linebackers all the time, 
And so it goes back to what you alluded to is of, of the quality of linebackers. Like it's hard now to put together a complete defense. Um, and I think now what we're seeing is a shift away from necessarily the, the pass for a specialist to I've got to be better in the secondary so that I can match up. I mean, I think you look at the Bill Belichick model. I mean, he's let guys that have had great years sack wise, you know, and they're up for big money. He's like, oh, you know, I'll just find another one. You know, it's and I'm going to spend the money in the back end. And I think that that's going to be kind of a shift, I think, in the NFL in the coming years of moving now towards. There's going to be two camps of are you an edge rush guy? Do you believe that it's a pass rush or do you believe that it's coverage? And it will be interesting to see who ends up winning that battle because I think uh, the Patriots proved that you you can win with the secondary. Um, and then you have teams uh, that can play really good defense, yet they're still getting those pass rush numbers. So I think to me that that is that people forget about the middle players and that's the linebackers and how crucial they are in the past defense. And a lot of times with those over routes and those crossing routes, it, it's on those linebackers to disrupt those. I think that's a super interesting concept of the, the coverage versus the pass rush in terms of investment. And you almost look at it as the, it's the 49ers model versus the Patriots model, I guess, from what we saw of the teams that were successful on defense last year. Right. So one other thing that we've kind of noticed a lot, and I, there was a lot of criticism at the aimed at the Broncos early in the years, especially because everyone was kind of used to such a man-heavy defense to watching what was happening the first three four weeks. The quick passing game early in the season when Denver wasn't getting many sacks and people were just kind of finding a lot of success throwing the ball underneath. Is there really a solution to that other than just playing tighter coverage? Yeah, I think what you were seeing was they were afraid of the pass rush and the Broncos weren't playing real tight in their coverage, not playing a lot of man. And so you're going to take what you can get. I mean, NFL, I mean, we're talking about some of the best minds in the, in the world and when it comes to football. So they're going to take what they can get. And I think that's why you saw a lot of stuff underneath early on was trying to negate that pass rush. Um, and then once teams later in the year figured out that they can take take advantage of the edges on the corners, I think that's when you started seeing a little bit and, and the linebackers with the crossing routes and things. I think that's when you started seeing people kind of open up their offenses a little bit more in the later part of the, the season. When you come up on guys like that, though, or play a little bit tighter, is it do you typically we got a question from a reader and this is I think this is a good um a good time to, to jump into that is do you typically have to just switch to we're going to play man and we're going to come up and, and really beat you up the line of scrimmage or are there things that you can do from a zone coverage perspective where you're still staying in kind of the, the, um, the coverages that you're normally doing, but you're just playing a little bit tighter up on the line. Yeah. So I think with what the Broncos, like if you look at their philosophy, their philosophy is then to get real exotic in, in coverage. So, that you, you know, you're not going to try and trick anybody with trap coverages where you're sending the corner into the flat, trying to get them, bait them in throwing out routes or sink safeties into different places or what I call pop outs where guys are low. And then all of a sudden, next thing you know, they're, they're in the deep half. So I think with them, you know, it's that catch 22 and, you know, there's, it's kind of like the, the camp of, you know, the pass rush versus the, the coverage camp, you know, either you believe that a good pass rush negates the pass or, or the coverage negates the pass. Now there's two different camps in secondary wise of, do you press everything because it limit, eliminates routes or do you feel like because we're lesser at that position, do we just want to play blanket coverage and keep everything in front? 
And so to me, I've always felt it's easier to press because it, you know, I think that it's a, a little bit of a misnomer to say that the lesser athletes like to play off. I think it's harder to play off. Um, and so I think that there's different, you know, but I, you can talk to somebody uh, in the same district as me and they'll say something completely different, say, no, 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 I've had more success with, with lesser athletes being off and then guys pressing. I think in the NFL, especially at the college level, guys get afraid to press because that's that quick strike because that safety is never going to make a play on that fade route. And so I think at that that's where you see a little bit of a difference at, at the higher level because of the quarterback play that you almost were, you would rather be passive. And so to negate that, maybe you just kind of do a little bit more press fail. Maybe you give a little bit more different looks, uh, kind of change up your looks, show single high, but really play quarters, show quarters, drop the single high. That way you can kind of bait some of these quarterbacks, uh, get them to feel comfortable early on and then change something up. So, I mean, there's two different ways. I wish I could give you like, this is the way to do it, but it really depends on your philosophy and then your personnel and then obviously the quarterback that you're playing, uh, you know, if you give him a bunch of quarters looks and then, then the first time you think you can, you know, you drop a guy down and then maybe maybe you can make a play on that to help your corner out. I think those are some things that you can do with the safeties kind of keeping them on the hash to help those corners. Good stuff. So give us your thoughts on um, if you're in, in- – you've mentioned some of your, the, the guys that you have, um, the talent that you have, um, from your experience coaching, when you're putting in a, um, match quarters defense or, you know, what Denver likes to do from a defensive standpoint, what are you looking for from a personnel perspective? I know we've talked about kind of the, the responsibility of the linebackers, but what are you looking for particularly maybe from like your corners or your safeties and those linebackers, um, in terms of the traits or the things that you want them to be able to do well when you're putting your defense together? I think if you're going to have a quarters base or you're going to have just a zone base, just in general, you got to have a little bit of a smarter guy. I think, you know, man, you know, you're a factory worker. You know, I'm told to go here. I have him. I go here with him no matter where he is on the field. It's easy. All I got to know is my divider rules, where he is lined up, and how my leverage change off that. That's all a divider rule means. Uh, and I think in, when you play zone, you got to have a little bit more of a heady player. They got to kind of understand leverage, but they also got to understand width. Okay, where are the receivers in relation to each other? Okay, how does that change my leverage? You know, are, do we need to switch out of this coverage because of the formation that we got? What's our trips check? What's going to be our our twins check? What are we going to do if we have a tight end? What do we, are we going to play a tight end that's flexed out differently than a, a wide receiver that's flexed out? You know, all of those things change when you run quarters. And I, so I think just in terms of starting from the head down, you've got to have a guy uh, that can think a little bit, uh, but that also, you know, I don't want to put it all on the player. Uh, that's also on the coach. There's a lot more a, of a teaching intensive uh, kind of process when you run some of these, these zone coverages, because it's not just a, a plug and play, especially if you're going to run some quarter stuff, it's going to take a little bit of time. I think Don Brown said one time that he doesn't do quarters because there's so many if thens that you could just spend all practice on if then that's why he plays man or he plays trap too. Um, and I think, you know, so it's, again, it goes back to your philosophy of how you think, you know, do you mind teaching and, and or do you have the time to do that as well? Um, and so I think, when you look at that corner wise, you've got to be able to play man. If you're going to play, if you're going to play quarters, you got to be able to play a man. 
Um, and I think if you're going to play uh, more of a cover three base, now you're looking at guys that you just need to be rangy and they need to be able to run because they got to be able to bend over on the on, on the seam of number two, but then they also got to be able to, to track number one going vertical. And so you kind of have that, you need more of a rangier guy. Uh, I think safety-wise, you always got to have two safeties. You got to have a safety that can play near the box, then you have to have a safety that can play center field in the MLB. You know, I think if you can get that where a guy can play center field, if he be he'd be great. You plug him in at center field and he'd be great. I mean, and has that range and can can really see the quarterback and has vision. I think that you know you've got to have those two different kinds of guys. Uh, and then when you get guys that are that are kind of both those hybrid guys, that's when you can be really successful. And I think that's what the Broncos have. They the Broncos have a really good. You know, they, you know, I think Simmons plays a lot down. Uh, he's more kind of the thumper guy. Um, and so for me, I think you can see that that kind of that difference in, in the way that, you know, like again, I go back to the Vikings because I feel like they're so so similar to what the, the Broncos do is they kind of have the same thing too. You know, you have a guy that plays deep, you have a guy that plays down. Uh, but when they're both back, they kind of have the same traits that they – it covers traits that they can do. So for me, I think NFL is different because the ball's in the middle of the field. So you can't hide a guy to the boundary. You can't hide a guy to the field. So kind of everybody has to be good. But I do think, like we talked about earlier, with the trips formation, you got to have one corner that you feel like, okay, we can just play man on somebody. And that's usually the guy that you put to that single receiver side. Based off what you've seen, uh, like what you've watched and what you've kind of seen from the Broncos, how comfortable do you feel that they have that player going forward? Not to put you on the spot, but, I, but that's just that 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 was my biggest concern kind of coming out of this offseason is that the Broncos didn't do enough at corner. And then after actually talking to you, I actually feel a lot less confident in Todd Davis. And I probably plan to go back and study him more now. But but how, how do you feel about the Broncos cornerback situation? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, doing this and researching this for to talk to you guys. I mean, it, that's one of the big glaring spots i think they're okay at linebacker i think d line i think anybody would argue is one of the the better units especially if, if chubb's healthy and can come back um i think the safety spot you can't argue but yeah there's some definite holes at corner i think they're gonna have to make a decision too who's gonna be that third safety um as much as you know like i said against minnesota they played some big nickel you know who do they have safety they feel comfortable playing in nickel they're really you know, the guys that they do have coming back at corner, like you said, uh, the Yadaya guy, I mean, he, he was on the field, off the field, on the field, off mm-hmm. the field, you know, and that's never that's never a good look um, for somebody that's been in the league for a little bit. I mean, it's, it's not like he was a rookie. Um, but I do feel like that's one of the positions the Broncos traditionally just have – they've struggled at since – I mean, since Champ Ailey. I mean, really, to be honest with you, I mean, it's like they have not – and then Aqib Tlaib, you know, they had him for a while. Um, but it's like they've really missed that that little piece of and, and if they lose Harris, which they have, you know, now it's like okay, they need that that second corner. Well, now they don't even have one corner, and I think that going into the season is going to be one of the biggest issues of, of how can they take care of those issues there, or can they find a young guy that they believe in that really progresses in that in, in kind of in their career? Yeah, and that's that's big. That's my big concern, and that combined with the fact that like think like the lack of training camp or like the abbreviated training camp, I, I kind of worry that that is going to hurt the corners kind of hit the ground running in terms of like once the season starts, just because there's so much of the teaching that they have to do basically by themselves or like without basically having like real like coach interaction. So that, that kind of does concern me. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I mean, especially with what you guys were saying about, you know, it was one of the hardest, you know, the, 
the cover checks to me, I think, you know, that's going to be one of those things where they're going to struggle with early. Hopefully they can get something figured out. But you're right. I mean, if you're looking at the roster right now, defensively, you know, where's the biggest weakness? It's, I mean, I think unanimously you'd say corners, the corner spot. I think you know, the edge rushers are fine. I think interior D-line will be okay. It's it's those two safeties that are great. And now it's like, okay, well, who's play, who is the start? Who are the starting corners? Who are, who are we going to have on day one when we go out there? Because I think that right now is the big question mark. I think we got guys on the roster, but who is going to be the ones that step up and play? Yeah, and it's that mix of your health, the the health with Bryce Callahan and even AJ Boye. You know, he he presumably is your number one guy if he comes back to form like we saw him when he was really good in Jacksonville. But he's been hurt a little bit and banged up, and so you've got some guys with health issues, and then you also have guys that you're maybe counting on potential. And so it's a it'll it'll be an interesting um, interesting thing to watch for sure, particularly with a short shortened off season. Um, we want to let you go coach with a final question. Again, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. This has been awesome. I, I know our um, listeners will, will really enjoy the deep dive and some of the explanation of the, of the things that we dug into. You've made us all smarter. So we appreciate that. Um, and so I think we'd be remiss and, and you've already given us a couple nuggets on, on this vein, but I think we'd be remiss if we didn't ask your thoughts on what you see as the next trend kind of from the levels that, that you're at and what you're seeing in the college and the high school ranks. We always see those kind of trickle up into the NFL. What do you maybe see as the next trend that makes its way into the NFL from, from what you guys are seeing? I don't think that because I, I think a lot of people are, are like we're probably on the edge of the seats like, okay, is it going to be the, the odd stack? We're going to start seeing the three safety look in the NFL. I don't think that it's going to be that. I think what you're going to see is kind of a more uh, more of, the, of those Isaiah Simmons and, and what we talked about earlier of the linebacker position becoming that hybrid spot of guys that can play same linebacker but then man we can move him and play he can play back if we need him to in some nickel situations that he can play that will linebacker or hey we need a guy that can play that running back he's physical enough that he can play near the box if we need to run you know we're not afraid to put him in there i think to me i think that's going to be the evolution of we're, we're now taking those hired guys we've always had down safeties or box safeties that have, can play high and come down and then now I think you're seeing more of an embrace of being – it's okay to be called a nickel. It's okay to be called a money backer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's okay to, to play those guys too. And I think the linebacker spot is what's going to change here in the next five years. Uh, and you're going to see guys that are going to have to be – you know, I don't think you're going to get like the Luke Keekley guys that can be all – you know, they're going to just going to be all pros year in and year out just because they're physical freaks. I think you're going to have to find some guys that can play in a little bit multiple spots, you know, and then be a little bit more, uh, be a little more personal oriented, package oriented. But again, like I talked about 53 man roster, limb time, you know, I think those hired guys that can play in multiple spots. I think that's going to be the new trend. You know, I'm really interested to see what the Cardinals do Same. with Simmons. Um, I know the Panthers, uh, the Panthers uh, drafted a guy too. Uh, with Snow's experience in the Big 12 and kind of doing that hybrid defense, how are they going to how are they going to translate some of those things to some of the things that they see uh, in the NFL? I think will be interesting. I don't think we'll see an odd stack in the NFL. Um, I don't think we'll see that not yet. Anyway, we haven't got that far down the, the rabbit hole of passing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I do I do think the hybrid the hybrid 
players. I think the way that we – I don't think it will necessarily be schematic. I think you'll see a little bit more zone than you will man. Um, and I think the way that we evaluate talent in the NFL will change. I think guys that 10 years ago wouldn't have gotten opportunities because they didn't fit into the square peg uh, or the, the square peg didn't fit into the round hole. I think that those kind of guys might now start uh, – people are looking at them and projecting like, okay, you're a huge safety man, you could play money backer and you could make, you could be really, really good in our safety. Because like Isaiah Tim, as they already said, like he's not going to play safety. He's not going to be, he's not going to be deep. He's going to play near the line. Um, and so for me, I think that that's what you're seeing uh, is okay. I, I look at it, you know, it goes back to what Jimmy Johnson did at Miami of taking running backs and turning them into DNs, taking slower corners and turning them into all American safeties taking big safeties and turning them into all American linebackers. So all you're doing is you're trans you're transitioning the speed, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And so I think, I think that's going to be the biggest difference going forward in the NFL, not necessarily some great schematic change or like the Tampa two or the, the 46 bear defense or something. I, you know, that to me, I think we're, we're beyond that. I think now you're going to start seeing, you know, personnel changes and how we view, how we view particular players. Well, hey, thank you for your time. And uh, for all you listening, buy his books, Breaking Down Your Offensive Opponent, Hybrids, and Making a Modern Defense. Talks about this. Uh, I finished the Modern Guy book to split field coverage, and I cannot recommend it enough. And then Cautious Aggression. Uh, thank you for your time, Coach. We really, really appreciate it. I, I'm going to go back and listen to this and take notes. So. I, I appreciate it, man. Like I said, anytime I can talk Broncos, anytime I talk to you guys, I, I, I'm gang.